Hey everyone, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Today we're talking with Pastor Adam Breckenridge and certified Enneagram coach Elena Elkins about using the Enneagram and coaching in Christian ministry. Yeah, I'm really excited about this interview because we're talking about the topic that is so dear to my heart. So let's get started and hear from Adam and Elena. Hey, guys, it's so great to have you with us today and just to learn about what Enneagram coaching is about, what it's like, the experience. But can you guys tell us a little bit more about yourself? So let's start with you, Adam. Adam, tell us more about who you are, your type, your job, your family, where you're living right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, thanks for for having having me on. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, so I am a type six uh, with a seven wing. So I'm a uh, you can, I'm, I'm affectionately known as the buddy. Apparently I'm everybody's buddy and friend. Um, but don't call me bud. That's is just offensive. Like, um, I just, it feels demeaning, but, um, <laughs> so type six, uh, let's see, I've been married to my wife as my best friend for it'd be 15 years this May. And we have three little girls, uh, Lucy blue, Lou mm. is eight, about to turn nine in March. Susanna Jane is five. She'll be six in just a couple of days. And then Georgie Love is four. And she also has a birthday in March. So she'll be five. So three girls about to be nine, six, and five. And that gives you an idea of what my life is like. Um, there's that, that to give you, yeah, <laughs> right. to give you that. There's that picture. Remember that scene where like uh, Ron Burgundy is uh, like stuck in the, in the uh in the phone booth and he's crying and he says i I feel like i'm stuck inside a glass cage of emotion that's my life that's pretty much pretty much where i live that's awesome uh so i'm actually the most emotional one of them all though um as for my job i uh i've been in pastoral ministry the last 17 years in some way shape or form um i'm currently serving on the pastoral staff with one of my uh long time long-standing childhood best friends we served together um, at a church called the Crossing Church in Paragold, Arkansas, not not too far from the Nashville area, actually. Um, and so my wife and I both grew up in Paragold. It's about 30,000 people. Graduated high school here, got into a lot of trouble in this town, and then became a, a, a Christ follower <laughs> and awesome. a pastor here, which is cr- creates some fun conversations. Um, you know, Adam, has there ever been experiences where people say to you, Wow, Adam, I didn't I didn't think you'd end up being a pastor. Oh, it happens all the time. In <laughs> fact, uh, one quick story is I, we moved away. To, you know, Jeff and Beth, we've connected on this before, but we spent 10 years in Kansas City. Beth, I lived like a block from where you grew up. Uh, awesome. And so we were in Kansas City pastoring, doing ministry there. And then from 2006 to 2016, and then moved home. To, to become a pastor here. And the last, the, the last thing people knew of me before I moved off to college was that I was a big troublemaker. And so then I come back all these years later as a pastor and the people in my congregation are like former high school teachers and coaches and like people. And so um, my first sermon back, I preached Acts 9 about God's work in Saul's life. And I actually put, uh, you know, I said like, you know, when people saw Saul preaching the gospel, they said, is that not the man who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem? And I actually put on the screen, screen, when you see me preaching the gospel, people are like, is that not the man who wreaked havoc in Paragold? 
Um, and the answer would be yes. Uh, that's awesome. So yeah, that's happened to me a lot, Jeff. <laughs> I have the kindness that I, I, I've, I've not pastored in my hometown. I know. And I'm not sure that would be good. Well, I mean, I think people would come just to like the spectacle of it. Like, well, your dad really? even your dad was even yeah, like, it. "Is this true?" Yeah, my and it dad wasn't, didn't think that it wasn't uh, until when the change was real until probably six years. So after I graduated college, uh-huh. and he's like, "Oh, so like this is a real deal for you? Like, you're, you're still really doing Christian this. Now. You're still you're still doing this." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Well, we've set you up well, Elena. So um, <laughs> now you get to tell us your story yes. and yeah, your time. Uh, job, family, where are you from? For sure. Yeah. So um, my family and I moved from St. Louis, Missouri in uh, 2004, and uh, we currently live in Orlando, Florida. Um, I'm married to uh, Caleb. Uh, He is uh, my favorite Enneagram Mm -hmm. 8 there is. Um, uh, I am dominant type 4. Uh, and we serve uh, a church in County Kerry, Ireland, um, doing youth ministry wow. virtually. Wow. Um, the past year was definitely a monkey wrench in our mm. plans. We had this wonderful plan of uh, moving to the southwest part of Republic of Ireland um, to serve and work with the church that was developing. And then the pandemic happened and borders were closed and we had to just go before God and be like, okay, what does this mean for us? And, um, lo and behold, he still gave us opportunities to serve and to connect. And, um, we still get to love on, uh, teenagers in Ireland and, uh, teach them about Jesus and disciple them, which is uh, just such a great opportunity. Um, and yeah, so I've been, I have some background in coaching in college. Uh, my degree was in counseling. And so my internship was actually coaching college students. And so I loved, loved that job. It was uh, just so rewarding to uh, love on people that uh, were also my peers. Um, and so uh, I got to participate in that. And I've been teaching with Enneagram for about three years now. And, uh, and it was kind of my like my quarantine goal to become certified in Enneagram <laughs> uh-huh. coaching. Um, because I was like, okay, I have all this time. I'm stuck in the United States. Like what, yes. what can I do? Um, and Enneagram coaching just seemed like the most fun job ever. And it is the most fun What a perfect time to, to do yeah. this. And so um, I became certified this year and just been enjoying that coaching. That's awesome. Well, so, we definitely want to talk yeah. about um, how you guys have been using the Enneagram, whether in your life and also the ministry. But first, I'd love to hear how you guys discovered your type, you know, how you, and how you found the Enneagram, like what was your journey? What was that like for you guys? Well, okay. So, um, back in college, um, I graduated from Johnson university, Florida. So like the Bible college, Christian university background um, is my, is my background. And, um, you know, when you go to a Christian university, there's always a trendy (laughs) personality assessment of like, okay, I hope I'm an (laughs) INFJ. So that guy over there who's ENTP, so that we look (laughs) compatible. Like, you know, like there's always that like push for personality assessments. 
And like that, that was just always something that interested me. And, um, and so I was kind of known as the, as the Myers-Briggs girl. Like I loved talking about like people's type and different things like that. And, uh, people definitely like felt like, you know, the stereotypical, like, why are you putting me in the box? And I was just, which is funny because you being a four, that's the last thing you are trying to do. You're really trying to help <laughs> the explore. And anyway, but they didn't know that. Yes, exactly. It's like, oh, no, I would never want to do that. I'm so sorry. Um, so I, you know, I'm very familiar in that world and everything. And uh, it was it wasn't until I was on a church staff that um, we I was introduced mm-hmm. to Enneagram. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like with the church staff and doing certain um, assessment or personality tools, it's usually for like productivity sake, not necessarily like spiritual formation. It's like, okay, you know, how can we um, make better numbers because of our great team dynamic, all this great stuff. Um, But it wasn't really about transformation. And um, when I was introduced to Enneagram, it seemed just so much more complex than anything I had ever seen before. Um, And so uh, I originally tested and go figure I'm a Christian female. I got (laughs) a type two. Um, I have certain certain theories on Christian women and type two, but that's a different conversation. Um, But uh, you know, the more, the more I looked at it, how it's based on motivation and behavior. Um, I I was just looking at different things and type two just always, it didn't Mm. seem enough. Like it's felt like there was this whole other part that was like, yeah, like I love people. I love helping people. Sure. Like who doesn't love to be loved and give love to others. Sure. Um, but when, when I heard the description of, the motivations mm-hmm. of type four and not necessarily the, the stereotypes and the behavior. Cause it, it was a, it was a struggle for me to relate to that. Um, I'm not the one to just throw up all my emotions on you yeah. and want you to feel them with me. Like I, I, I tend to keep to myself. Um, but the bent of there's just always going to be something a little mm. off about you. There's going to be just something a little, broken or a little abnormal about you. And I mean, that it's kind of, it's kind of like that one scene of Ratatouille (laughs) where Antoine go like eats that bite of food and he's transported back to his childhood. Like that's like, it was like, how, how did they know that I I was feeling that way ever since I was four or five years old of just the feeling of, um, okay, maybe you don't belong. Maybe you um, are just a little bit different and a little bit um, Mm -hmm. abnormal. Um, And so anyway, that, that was such a a significant moment that I couldn't really back away from. Well, it probably made sense as you got into the Enneagram more and seeing how fours do go to two at different times and can Mm -hmm. take on some of those attributes. Did that kind of even give you a more aha moment of, Oh, okay. I see, you know, um, I see why I would have maybe tested it, especially as you said, just being in Christian ministry as well, that two-ness quality. So yeah, that's exciting how you guys, how you discovered that. Um, 
And then you got really, and that happens so often. I mean, Jeff, you sat in type eight for many years thinking you were type eight. It's so common that people might test as one thing. And then when they really look at it and then take a good look inside, they start to go, oh, wait a second. Here's the real part. And that's what we say your dominant type or your main type, because we use all nine types to varying degrees. So yeah, very cool. It is interesting to think that uh, we were... We were doing a workshop prior to recording this and a couple of people were like, yeah, okay, now I realize I'm this number. Mm-hmm. Um, we even have uh, coaches in the program who once they get into and they start looking at some of uh, the other more complex elements of the Enneagram, they're like, wait a minute, I don't think I'm that number. Right. And so that's that's not abnormal. That's mm-hmm. actually part of the process. I mean, everybody's learning more about their number in a coaching process and coaching other people. Right. Um, and so it's almost expected that, yeah, you may not be doing it right if you immediately land on your number. Unless, I mean, there are some types it's like, oh yeah, we could totally see, you know, sure. that that's your, well, your dominant type. The thing that brought me comfort and what made Enneagram a little bit more interesting is that since it's based on motivation and not your behavior, Um, like there's, there's another, one of my friends who also identifies as a type four and behaviorally, like if you were to meet us in person, we are totally people. Like we, we, we talk about different things. We, um, just interact with the world in in different ways, but we're still motivated Mm -hmm. by the same things. And so I I think that also can trip people up sometimes it's like, Oh, well, I don't want to be a five yeah. because that person's a five. It's like, no, that's yeah. not sure. Well, I mean, that's really why you landed on type eight. <laughs> we'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Beth's mom is a very phobic six mm. and they're, well, and, well, I did not he, want to and be And they that. don't look anything yeah. alike on the outside, you know, like, you know, my mom, her anxiety and fear, you see it, yes. which a lot of, you know, phobic sixes that you just know they're, they have these anxieties and they'll talk about them. Whereas Jeff is much more counterphobic where he's like, he has those same motivations internally, but he pushes into them. And so it looks very different. So when I was like, I think you might be a type six. And he was, you know, I was like, yeah, my mom is a type six. <laughs> he's like, no, there's no way we can be the same type. But again, once, and this was gosh, back in the early two thousands, but once, you know, uh, someone 
you know, that knew the Enneagram well kind of pointed out, Jeff, I don't think you're an eight. Oh, man. (laughs) It took Jeff a while. Yeah, I was angry. It took him about a year to get back into it. (laughs) And there was a sign that had a... uh, our counseling professor in seminary had behind him and it said, if you're not angry and confused, I'm not, I haven't done my job. And I mean, this guy said, I think you're a six. I'm like, well, forget you. I'm done with the Enneagram. Forget it all. For a year, I set it aside. I was so frustrated with it. Of course, me being the type nine, I quietly kept reading and learning. <laughs> so Adam, uh, tell us about how you found the Enneagram and sure. Coming to understand your uh, sixiness and all the joys and benefits it brings to your world. That's right. That's right. So, um, so yeah, it was about six years ago. We were we were living in Kansas City. I was pastoring, and uh, I hit a wall. You know, um, just uh, just very emotionally unhealthy, very stressful environment. Um, and so was having tons of anxiety, tons of panic attacks. A lot of it was manifested around preaching. You know, I was a teaching mm-hmm. pastor. We planted another campus and I was a teaching pastor at that campus. And so every Sunday rolls around, you know, every week. And there's this, I feel like I've got this pressure to perform. A lot of it I'm putting on myself. But I remember one Saturday uh, being in, and I would, I'd worked all day on a Saturday, it's supposed to be my Sabbath. And I'd worked in the entire day, like a 10 hour day, finishing a sermon in the basement. And I came up for dinner and my wife's up there with all these little kids, you know, um, and, and finishing dinner. And she says, when I came upstairs, she didn't recognize me. She said, uh, that I looked like a ghost of Adam. And she actually said this line that haunted me. And she said, you know, if something doesn't change, you're not going to make it to 40. Like you're, you're not going to make it. Something's going to have to change. And so, um, and she was right. So I ended up coming to our elder team. We decided I needed to take a break from preaching because again, that's where most of the anxiety was localizing. So I, I gave myself some space to do some work on my soul and I fell into the care of Rich Plass and Jim Cofield. Do you guys know Rich and Jim? Or have you heard? Yeah. yeah. So they no, co-wrote yeah, a book. We, we don't know them personally. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know that you're familiar with their work. So yeah, they co-wrote a book called The Relational Soul, and 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 which I highly recommend. And I, I ended up doing an intensive for several days with them. And this was, again, about six years ago. And I remember being on the phone with Rich, and he said two things before you come. Number one, don't come without your wife because you're a relational unit and she's not going to allow you to hide. And I want to, I want to know you, Adam. So he's like, I want you mm-hmm. to bring your wife. And also women are just woefully in ministry, like mm-hmm. pastor's wives are woefully undercared for. And he was like, she needs to be here because she's got a lot to say. He didn't know she was a nine. And he was like, I got a feeling <laughs> she has a lot to say and I want to hear her voice. And I want to know, you know, so he said, bring your wife. And then secondly, he said, don't come see me unless you take the Enneagram first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, any, uh, what, you know, I mean, I've never, I'd never heard of this thing. Um, and at first, so he sent me the, uh, as, as the pre-work sent me a test to take and I was, uh, skeptical. I was like, is this a pentagram? What's, what is yeah. this thing I'm looking at? This? And I remember Rich having another conversation with him and he was like, dude, I follow Jesus. I don't worship Satan. Just shut up and mm-hmm. take the Enneagram and, and then come see me. <laughs> Um, so I, I took the test. I was pretty fearful and anxious about the test. And then I took the test and the test told me that I was fearful and anxious about the test because I'm a, I was a, um, very unhealthy dominant type six. And, Mm. um, 
so then I, I, you know, I just began this, this whole journey of like self-discovery of like, it was a whole new mm-hmm. level. I, 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 the more I began to read the best, the best I've tried to explain it is the more I began to read about my type. Um, I felt like I was living inside Psalm 139. Like I, I felt like the Holy spirit was searching me and knowing me. Mm-hmm. And I had this language to put to my soul, these words to put to my soul of things that I always knew were true, but didn't know. And now all of a sudden I can articulate it. It was a very powerful experience. Uh, on the one hand, I, it was, I felt extremely vulnerable and uh, exposed and even embarrassed to a degree. But then the mm-hmm. healing began to happen whenever I, I realized like this, is, this tool is helping me approach these parts of myself with understanding and compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really what the, 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 the reason why it was such a, tr- it has been such a transformational tool for me is because, um, it, 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 all it's really, all it's really doing is highlighting the very particular ways I need Jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and particular yeah. ways he's crafted me, you know, and to bear his image. And then some of the particular vulnerabilities where I, I need every second of every day, his grace. Right. So it yeah. became this like the Enneagram became this like this wave or something that just pushed me deeper into Jesus. And I'm probably I'm probably getting ahead of where we're going to go here, but talking to coaches and stuff. But I, I'll say this quickly is I, I come from a, a theological tribe that I love, by the way. Um, but I think I think for the last 400 years, church has followed enlightenment culture where we've kind of said the most important part of a person is the mind. Mm. And so we've tried to approach spiritual formation and character growth and, and growing into the image of Christ through logic and strategy. Like how, if we can just get people to espouse the right beliefs and do the right stuff, like if we can get their heads and their hands engaged where they're knowing mm-hmm. all the right stuff and they're doing all the right stuff and they're serving and they're giving and they're plugged in a community, then they're going to, they're going to change, but there's this whole like right brain, emotional, relational thing about us that the gospel is actually aiming at <laughs> because it's aiming at reconciliation to God and love and relationship to God and abiding in the vine and becoming love. And that's how Jesus sums up the whole, like the greatest commands. It's all relational. It's all about loving God, receiving his love and then loving others, loving God in return. And you, that's, so what I'm trying to say is that Enneagram opened up this door in my soul where the gospel penetrated a new place, honestly, um, mm-hmm. like a place that like sheer logic can't go. And because the gospel is not just logic, but it's actually a person. It's good news about a real person named Jesus Christ. Like, I just felt like Jesus all of a sudden just like got his foot in a different door in my soul, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. it, it has, it has. And then as a pastor, isn't that what we're trying to do? We're trying to mature we're trying to make and mature disciples. And, and so that became immediately this, this tool for spiritual formation that I was like, we have to, we have yeah. to, in, and we have to integrate this with the functional centrality of the gospel. And then we have to implement this in local churches. Like that's whatever I do, mm-hmm. I want to give my life to that. That's kind of, that's kind of what happened to me yeah. about six years ago, which I'll shut up after this, but Jeff and Beth, that's where <laughs> your work was so profound when I, whenever I came across you guys, because at, at the time, I couldn't find, I mean, I was reading everything about the Enneagram. And sure, there's Enneagram from a Christian perspective, but I couldn't find anything that was like thoroughly, robustly gospel-centered, Christ-centered. Um, mm. 
that was integrating the Enneagram. And then I came across your work and I was like, well, they've done all the work for me. So I'm just going to steal all their stuff. And, <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so uh, that's, that's a little bit about my journey of like how I, how I, how I discovered the Enneagram and then I, how I felt like God discovered me and I discovered me through the Enneagram. Yeah. Elena, tell us about what, how that transition happened for you when, the Enneagram's personally insightful and you're thinking, man, I really, really want to be trained to share this with others. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, when I, when I was working at a, a church in Fort Myers, Florida, um, I was able to um, lead a class, a women's Bible study. And we, we went through um, uh, Ian Morgan Cron's uh, road back to you book and um and the Enneagram just penetrates so quickly and so deeply. Mm. Uh, the, the conversations that we had um, in that classroom, you know, a lot of times people get scared about Enneagram being, like I said before, you know, putting me in a box or stereotyping. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I would say that it invites to look at the whole of a person and, um, walk through the complexity of their story. And, and it felt like it was an opportunity to do that as, as a collective group of, of women. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I was, I was new to the area. We, I didn't really know a lot of people on a deep level, especially, you know, knowing my spiritual journey and different things. And so it, it was like, okay, are we ready to talk about some of these things? But um I mean, the transformation and I mean, what, what Adam talked about, the conversations that led into just who the person of Jesus is, um, right. and, and, and deeper understandings of his character. And, uh, there, there just wasn't, I, there wasn't a tool that got there so quickly, um, yep. mm-hmm. that, uh, asked the real permeate, like permeating questions of, okay, this is what you truly want. And this is how you've been striving to get after this one thing. And this is why you've always come up empty. Like those are, those are deep, deep. Yes. um, Heartfelt things in a person. Um, They they probably come with, with trauma. They probably come with heartbreak. mm -hmm. And um, so, uh, you know, that, that experience, it was, it was a, not only life-giving, but it was really fun. It was really fun to build relationships with people in that way and um, discover Christ in a brand new way as well, um, that he was present in every single part of our story, that he never actually left us. Um, and so anyway, when uh, I had, I, I was wrestling with Enneagram for, in coaching for a while, um, but the the one thing that uh, experience that happened in my life was I have a friend who is uh, identifies as a type three and um, his knowledge of Enneagram, he confided in me. He was like, oh, yeah. So pretty much I just read the one chapter and wrote back to you on threes. <laughs> and after that, I like taught three or four different classes to different coaches on <laughs> what the Enneagram was. And I was so mad because I also have like, if I were to choose a wing, it would probably be five. Like I was so mad because I was like, 
you haven't done enough research. Do you realize how complex this is? Like this is, and you're dealing with like people, like all this stuff, all these things. And um, I was just so frustrated. I was like, why are you teaching? And you only know this small amount of knowledge. And, and like, granted he, of course he's a, I mean, he's a three, like he knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. and he was great. Um, but uh, I, I just wasn't content Um like, you know, you have those friends who are like, oh, you're just the Enneagram expert. Like, if I have questions, mm-hmm. I'll come to you about Enneagram. Um, and I was just very uncomfortable with that. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, um, because, you know, the the saying is to be an expert in the Enneagram, you have to have at least like 50 years of experience in Enneagram. <laughs> 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff. And so um, I, I wanted to have a little bit more credibility Um especially in refining some coaching tools too. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. want to just have all this knowledge and um, not know how to love on people well and love yeah. on their whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my uh, professors, she uh, compared coaching, counseling, therapy, all this stuff to almost uh, being a heart surgeon on a preemie baby. You know, like you have mm-hmm. this precious you have this precious life and um you're about to do this really delicate surgery that you have to be so intentional about you have to be um you know so careful and so uh uh detailed and you know the intricate parts of their body and you know that's what comes into your office every day um Mm -hmm. you they're coming to you with their baggage and their complexities and the stuff that feels too much for the world. And so what, what you do, if you don't have the right tools could make a break. And so, um, I took that very seriously. And so I wanted to have (laughs) great tools. And so, um, Enneagram was just another great tool to have in my toolbox on people. So that's right. Well, you mentioned a couple of these, Elena, um, regarding one, having credibility with others, Mm -hmm to making sure that you had a process, not just knowledge of a particular tool. But what are the, and and we'll ask Adam this first, and then we'll come back to you, Elena, but what roadblocks or hurdles, or maybe even self-limiting beliefs, did you have to overcome to actually start using the Enneagram with people? Yes. So, you know, a personal hurdle for me is my, my, um, you know, I have a, I have a particular vulnerability to self doubt mm-hmm. and that's a part of me that has been with me my whole life. Jeff, you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> what about Adam what and about Jeff know advisors? each other well. Yes, you're, yeah. you're, <laughs> my, my, my inner committee. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. They have a lot to say about that. Um, and so my, there's this lie that, um, so a, a huge, it's a huge hurdle for me. And it's a, it's a, it's a part of me that I'm building. A real, they, honestly, the Enneagram has helped me building a relationship with and try to befriend and really get to know because it's a part of me that's been with me my whole life. And it's a part of me that still journeys with me every day. And it, it require it needs, it needs shepherding. And so, but I think that's, that's, that has been, and I'll say still is a huge hurdle for me. I mean, here, here you know, let me, let me be honest with you. Case in point is, you know, Jeff and Beth, you guys are my friends and you want, you want me to come on this podcast. Lots of anxiety about, do I even know enough about the Enneagram to talk about this today? Do I, do I even like, there's this part of me that kicks on of like, you don't, you know, 
you're, if you're not the expert, Elena, like if you haven't been doing this for 50 years, then you have nothing to say. <laughs> Don't talk about it unless you're a total expert and you're thoroughly prepared and you're going to be able to crush any question they ask. And, uh, and so, and that's, so honestly, that's been a huge hurdle for me is, is, is who am I? Can I really do this? Can I trust myself? Can I trust God's work in my life? Can I trust the giftedness? Can I trust what he's given me to, to, to steward? And it's just this narrative. I can't trust myself. And I, and I, I need to rely on other experts to, to tell me what I need to do and somebody else could do it better. And, but the, the, here's the, here's the, the, the great thing about it is the spirit of God has also used the Enneagram to give me the courage. I feel like to press yes. into those things and, and hop into the arena anyway, you know, and realize that, you know what, I'm not going to have all the answers. I'm not going to be the expert. And that's not who I am anyways in Christ in Christ. I'm safe in Christ. I'm, my life mm-hmm. is hidden with God in Christ. And so I'm safe to not have to be that. And I can step into this and begin to, to honestly, I almost feel like I'd be disobedient not to, not to, um, not to give what I've been, not to, not to give what I've received. Right. So like what God yeah. has done in me through this tool, like I have to share with other people, like there's no way for me not to use this in my life and ministry and, and in my coaching and, and counseling of others. So that has been a huge hurdle. And, and I'll, I mean, I, and I'll, I'd love to hear what Elena has to say about her own hurdles. Another, another big one for me as a pastor though, has just been, uh, some, you know, sometimes the response you get from evangelicals about, uh, about the Enneagram, that's, that has honestly been something that, you know, we have done three, I have led three, two or three Enneagram workshops in our church. And each time the pushback has gotten less and less. I mean, our people trust our pastors. They trust me and, and my buddy and Jared, and they, they trust us. But I remember the first time we did it, there was, there was some, a little more significant pushback. And then some of the, like some people in our tribe are, are writing online about it, you know, and kind of pushing back. And I'm, I quickly, you know, Elena, like you were saying, I, I become anointed or knighted as the Enneagram expert, which is not something I put on <laughs> myself at all ever. And so who, who, who in, in our tribe and our family of churches and in our local church gets who filters all these questions is me. Like everybody sends all their pushbacks and objections and questions to me which my, this, this part of me kicks on and it reinforces this, like, well, you've got to be the expert. You've got to have all the answers for them. And so I've, I've had to work through that, you know, and, uh, and I can obviously say more about how I've worked through that, but that's been a, that's definitely in our church. I would say that's gone for the most part, but, um, but it has been a hurdle. It has been a hurdle for me uh, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh, Elena, what about you? What um, either professional or personal hurdles have you had to overcome in order to start coaching? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for in a, in a very practical sense, um, you know, me, me and my husband want to pursue full-time cross-cultural ministry. And so, um, and when I say full-time, it's probably going to be 24 seven full-time um, where, you know, you, you have, you have to be ready to, face whatever God throws at you that day. And, um, and so when, when, sometimes when I get into that mindset, I do become very, um, productive only focused. Like I, I, it has to be discipleship oriented only. Otherwise I'm not doing what God is calling me to do. And, um, and so I, it felt more 
like a fun thing like that I would want to do like it it would almost be something for me and uh and so you know just hearing you say that it what came to mind I I really appreciate that because Mm -hmm. and, and Beth and I have found this we come with a certain framework in mind or application of the Enneagram. And if it doesn't fulfill that particular goal, it actually creates a limitation. Uh, so like it, so how does the Enneagram work with the discipleship? Well, it's, it's not a curriculum. It, it's not a Bible study. And so we think, oh, well, the Enneagram wouldn't apply. No, actually it does apply. It's just our, our view of what discipleship is, is quite limited, um, head oriented as what Adam said earlier. And so that, that is another roadblock to it. Like it, it provides such a gift to people, but our frameworks are actually keeping us from seeing the real benefit of the Enneagram. So thanks a lot for sharing that. That's really helpful. A more perfect way for the enemy to work than that, because I mean, what great opportunities would come about for discipleship Mm. when we have this great tools. Um, and, and, you know, Enneagram is, it, it's not just the pers- the perspective of Enneagram isn't just only um, a Christian perspective in some regards. Um, and, and you can, um, I would say it's a little incomplete or a lot incomplete without the gospel, <laughs> but um, it, it can be in a lot of ways, a bridge to people who um, don't have community. Um, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, like, I, I think because it, it's such a great tool for um, asking the right questions and for uh, really getting to the heart of what people are going through. I mean, what great conversations and what great relationships and community you could build with people who are outside of the church, not for the sake of, oh, thank God they're in the door. Like, let's convert them. Like that sort of thing. But I mean, what a great way to serve people. What a great way to love people and their whole story than using this great tool. Um, So anyway, that was definitely a a roadblock for me of like, oh, this isn't productive. This doesn't fit the three goals of our vision casting for what Ireland's going to look like. Um, But, but in a lot of ways it, it kind of did fit, you know? Um, and so anyway, so that was, yeah. that was a big one. And also like on a, another practical level, um, I am not allowed to have work back in the U S and so, uh, mm. labeled as work. And so that also provided some, uh, things with our visa that we had to work through and other, that's incredible like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Adam, you are so profound and so you sound so wise. I feel like all of my roadblocks are like, well, I had to think like, can I afford it? Like, <laughs> Oh no, dude, that's like, yeah. This is a really big spiritual formation moment with Jesus and like all this yes. stuff. And I'm like, well, I and it's, it's all there. <laughs> you know, all the hurdles are there. All, and the, that's, all that's there. Well, right. Yeah. All for, for it, everyone that's out there listening, what we have found is that people are finding real heart transformation, real yeah. mind transformation, real life mm-hmm. community yeah. work transformation at an accelerated pace. Mm-hmm. And then so often what's really fun for me is when I coach people, whether individually or in marriages or in groups, 
a lot of them become coaches. It's because they've seen and felt and experienced that transformation. And they're like, how do I pay this forward? And of course, they see the joy in me. So they're probably like, how can I have a job like that? You know, it looks so fun. It is. Um, And so that's why we love helping people to become certified Enneagram coaches with our course is because we know that Jeff and I can only extend our help, our knowledge so far. Mm -hmm. But by having people become certified Enneagram coaches, we are now seeing it around the world. Mm -hmm. So like for you, you're going to Ireland, but we have 20 plus countries that already have your Enneagram coach certified coaches. Mm -hmm. And they're using it from a Christian perspective, or like you said, using it as a bridge, a bridge Mm -hmm. to community, a bridge to relationships, a bridge to hope. But it's been so exciting to see just like you guys, the personal, the family transformation, the church transformation, the community transformation, and then seeing you guys take the course, study hard, know, like you said, the the surgeon and having to be very detailed and nuanced and learn how to then take this to another person's life whose life is delicate. It's, it has purpose and meaning, but also trusting the sovereignty of God that we aren't, when I coach someone, it is not, okay, Beth, you've got to figure this out. You better have the right, you know, answers, the right, that God knows exactly what he is doing and the timing he has. We are just stewarding our time with the people we work with. We have a a way that we coach that points people back to Christ, but also allows them to see the real suffering that they have and why, but not to leave them there, to give them hope, hope in Christ, hope in relationships. Um, and so that, and then to watch their eyes. I know you guys have experienced this, those aha moment eyes of, oh, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. there's this hope, there's this joy, and then they start to experience it and you start seeing this traction. And week after week, as you coach them, it's, it mean, for me, I can't wait to show up for my coaching because I get to see this happen right before my eyes. And so um, what I want to hear is from you guys, what are some like kind of, you know, stories that you've experienced with clients that you've seen these aha moments that they've really come to you and struggle and then you've seen God transform them. Adam, why don't you start? Let's start with you. Yeah, I'll just uh, I was I was thinking about. I mean, there's, there's lots of examples, but I think I could, I would sum it up in short and say that some of my favorite people to work with, uh, are, are Enneagram eights. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, we have a, we have a, and they, and they, I, they've given me their permission to, to share this. I was texting with some people last night in, in our church and they were like, Oh yeah, so tell, tell my story. But there's a couple of, a couple of the best leaders we have in our church are Enneagram eights and they're, they're females and they're just bosses you know <laughs> just and they they yep, lead we some got, they, we got them too amazing. Uh, yeah, they're just amazing my wife always says that female enneagram eights are her favorite of all types including like male sixes when i'm like thanks a lot i guess but, uh, <laughs> so um so but the aha moment has been the most profound aha moments i've seen with them is whenever they realize that it's okay to not be so tough Mm-hmm. And uh, and and when, like this aha moment of like, wait a minute, it's like you're you're telling me it's safe to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, right. that like my real strength lies in getting in touch with my weakness and vulnerability, mm-hmm. which is so backwards and feels like death. And uh, but it's life. And so uh, but just their stories and, and getting into the the, you know, getting into their narrative of, of trauma and and what has shaped them into being so t- tough and, and mm-hmm. so hard uh, and, and having to present as so strong. And the reality is they are very strong. These are some of the strongest people that, that I've ever met. Um, but the aha moment of realizing like, you know, in my, in my weakness is actually my strength and, mm-hmm. and discovering their, you know, being able to put words into their, um, some of the, some of the most transformational moments for them was being able to put words into this is why I care so deeply for the underdog. Like this is why I'm so passionate about, you know, this certain injustice or like coming to the aid of vulnerable people is because in a sense, like I'm trying to give people something I've never had. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that, that, those to me have been some of my favorite people to work with. I love, you know, I, I, I love working with people. I'm a, I'm a highly relational person, love working with people, but I love, I love getting some of the eights that I've worked with who, who seem like tough shells to crack and mm-hmm. not me, not me cracking them, but just creating a space where they can encounter Jesus through the, through mm-hmm. the Enneagram and they begin to kind of open up and take off the armor. Um, that has been, that has been so fun and mm-hmm. so, so, so precious wasn't there a story where, you know, a couple came and they needed some, some real help and you saw this really massive transformation happen in a very short period of time? Yes, there was, there was a couple that knocked on my office door. Um, I didn't have, not have an appointment with them. I was in the middle of sermon prep and they walked in, they've been, they've been married 29 years and they're, they're, mm. they've raised kids, they're grandparents now. And they came in and they just said, Hey, um, we just filed for divorce today, but we we got 30 days until it's an official thing. And we wanted to see if we could give you a chance to save our marriage. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> literally, literally the words that came out of, out of, uh, her mouth. And so I, I very quickly said, uh, let me take that pressure and put it right back on you because I cannot save your marriage period. <laughs> but I said, I'll tell you what I can do is I can meet with you. We can meet, we can have our first session right now and let's just meet once a week, uh, for the next mm-hmm. four weeks or, or let's meet as often as you guys want. Let's just see what God does. And the very first thing we did is they had never taken the Enneagram. So, um, I had them take a test and we began to dive into their profiles and watch. Honestly, uh, he, he was converted through this process like this. It it was incredible the way he felt Jesus, the way the gospel became alive to him. Um, and, uh, he was, a he was a type five and so had very Mm -hmm. thick walls and tall walls. And I just watched these come down for him. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, they're still married. Um, praise he, the Lord. He, yeah, it's some, yeah, and praise God for sure. And so, and now what's amazing is they have, they have counseled like their adult children through the Enneagram. Mm. And, uh, wow. and so, and they're like huge proponents of, of using that tool in their marriage and using that tool in their own ministry. And so, um, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it was a profound, it's definitely a huge highlight for me. She, she's a three. Yeah. 
she was a three, he was a five. So we got into their relational dynamics and began to talk about, you know, some of her, some of his withdrawal and her overfunctioning, And it was just, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and all of that, um, all of that was just a huge watershed moment for them. And for me, honestly, uh-huh. it was a solidifying moment of like, yeah. man, you know what? There's no power necessarily in this tool. The go- the powers in the gospel, but this thing really yes. does serve the gospel. It really does. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. it, it. And, and I like to think about it like almost like a vehicle or something that the spirit can right. use to drive the gospel into these unchartered you mm-hmm. know, terrains. Mm-hmm. And I just watched it happen in this relationship. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. Right. Hey, Elena, what about you? What's a story of coaching a client that has been dear to you? Yeah. I love coaching sevens. Um, hmm. Because sevens usually want to do coaching because, Oh, sure. Like I'll, like, I want to do coaching. Like, I want to see what you do. Like just trying to do this new thing and have some fun and just talk. Um, and you kind of present it in that way. So it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of speaking the language. Um, Actually, I'll tell you a funny story. My first type seven client that I had, I had Jeff go get us milkshakes at oh, great. Uh, Sonic because I was like, okay, we, I mean, we just got to have some fun because we're going to go deep and they're going <laughs> to want to go like, right into it. Like you hightail it out. Yes. So I was like, Hey, what kind of milkshake do you want? Or what kind of, you know, Sonic thing do you, you know? And so we just had, we had fun, yes. but we went deep. So anyway, I just thought that was when you were saying that For I was sure. like, Oh my gosh, I can totally remember you this have image. To I have. The gap. You have to bridge it. Um, because you have to bridge it because, um, I mean, one of the reasons why I love working with sevens is that, you know, it, it seems as though, you know, typically, even though they're in the anxiety triad, they wouldn't probably label themselves as anxious people. Um, mm-hmm. But there's so much anxiety around, I can't be sad. I can't be mm-hmm. upset yeah. about something. Otherwise, I'm going to be stuck in this sadness. I'm yes. going to be stuck in this place of, um, uh, no one's going to take care of me. Um, I have to fend for myself. I have to find my freedom. Um, and so when, when you kind of prime the pump a little bit, when you start building trust, um, when you start hearing the story of some of these people, like it's, it's been a privilege to go to some places, um, with, certain clients. Um, and, and with that, I mean, speaking into kind of referral, um, I think one of the best victories is even referring to professional counseling. Um, Mm. cause you know, we, we are, we're coaches, we're, we're equals, we're working through these things together. Um, they are the experts on themselves. We are the ones walking through these things with them. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of like the, the narrative of, uh, I think it's nine where it's like, okay, you've been asleep to yourself for your whole life. You know, everybody kind of has that where it's like, oh, I guess I have been living half my life, like ever since, you know, for, for forever. And I've just gotten comfortable with it. Um, and, and so, you know, like seeing people want to get what, like, even for sevens, you know, 
getting what real freedom is, you know, they, they thought they had it. And then it's like, Oh, I guess I've been building the cage around me this whole time. And they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be free. I want to experience what true authentic freedom is. And so they, they go deeper. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, the bird leaving the nest, like they don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to (laughs) what they need to do. Um, and so like, that's, that's been very cool and, um, and, and a privilege, and, and another thing that I, I, as somebody who doesn't have kids, this is a big like privilege for me as well of working with people who have kids. Um, Cause you know, I'm not an expert in parenting or anything like that, but you know, a lot of, you know, sometimes frustration is like, I just can't believe my kid did this again today. And like that whole dialogue. And, you know, we, we talk about that. And maybe that day we're talking about childhood wounds and, Mm. you know, all of a sudden um, parents see their kids with their own like eyes as a kid of like, oh, you mean I was a dumb two-year-old as well? Like, you know, (laughs) and so they have this whole other dialogue even and deeper compassion, even for their families of like, okay, am I affirming this tape that's going on in their head of fears and insecurities Mm -hmm. and and worries or am I a beacon of truth and love and the gospel in my child's life you know and Mm -hmm. having conversations like that has just been such an honor and uh, really really Mm -hmm. cool how God's worked in those that's awesome so you know one of the things that I heard you both say in the in, in talking about working with favorite clients um are, I think it's jujitsu. I, th- I think that's what our, our son pr- did some training in, but one, and it, it may be something else. So I may be getting it wrong to our listeners. So forgive me, please, please don't send me emails correcting <laughs> me. Part of the art is to take what the other person is giving you and allowing their momentum to take them places. Yes. And then you come back around in another way. Coaching why I needed to share that illustration, I don't know. It was worthless. But here's the main point. No, I, I totally see it. It was good. Coaching is counterintuitive. Mm. You think a seven doesn't come from coach for coaching because they don't want to know their interior world. And yet, when you coach, you find like, no, that's the path to growth. Mm. That yes. you think, no, no, eight's going to be uh, come to coaching because they're too strong. No, but their strength is actually the very door to mm-hmm. open up their hearts. And that's mm-hmm. true for every type, the yeah. type one and wanting to be perfect, wanting to reform the world. And you think, man, they're, they got it all right. They always have the right opinion about things. That's what they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. And you have the opportunity as a coach to receive it, to experience mm-hmm. and then reflect back to them mm-hmm. about how this way of relating to their world isn't working. Well, yeah. yeah. When it has, yeah. When it is a liability, but then what does it look like when it is a strength? Sure, yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Absolutely. Um, and that's, I think, the the most powerful thing because as a nine, and let, we can kind of get into our own liabilities and struggles as coaches, um, you know, as a nine, I mean, I've been doing this for so long and it's amazing how every single day I still think, well, what do I have to offer? No one really wants to listen to me. And I feel this quietness within me. And then I get on the podcast and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun. Like, why don't I do this like all day, every day, you know, or I coach and I I find this joy and God blesses me by 
keeping me engaged, you know. Um, but so often the the sloth of the nine, the wanting to hide, the wanting to withdraw is so right there. Yet it's that very peacefulness that I mm. offer the world that 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 is a gift to the world if I use it and use it well, but also that peacefulness that I just want peace by going along to get along is a liability. Mm. And so that's what I love about the Enneagram is that it's showing two sides of the same coin, the mm. liability but then also the blessing and how can Christ, you know, revive and restore and renew and transform us from when we're struggling to that transformational process to reflect him yeah. in his glory. And that is also kind of what we're doing with our coaches. So, yeah. um, Adam, why don't you speak to that? You know, what are some of those liabilities and struggles that you still daily face, but through your own uh, work with yourself and then learning about the Enneagram and being a coach, how do you find yourself um kind of overcoming those hurdles with the gospel perspective? Yeah, very good. So um well, f- first thing is I've I've tried to surround myself with uh with safe people. Like I've got I've got people in my life, friends and and my wife and people that know me that can that can reflect back to me what is most true and can affirm what is most true about me in Christ. And so just some of those core truths that I need to hear, like, Adam, you really are safe to just show up and be who you are. And if you fail in the process, there's grace for that. So, um, and I can say that and I, and I say that to myself too, but I need other people to say it to me. So, um, through relationships, and then also just embracing, like what you were saying, uh, Jeff, the counter, the counterintuitive nature of I have really been on this journey for the last few years of embracing my fear, not as what as not as something that is not as the one thing that is like most wrong with me that needs to be fixed, but as the doorway into yeah. more of God, more with God. And the doorway into transformation, like my fear is, I'm trying to embrace it as like my fear is telling me that I need something. I need Jesus. I need help. I need courage. I need grace. And so it's really, to me, part of overcoming the hurdles is, yeah, not shaming my fear (laughs) and not shaming Mm -hmm. my anxiety, but welcoming it as, in a sense, a gift, you know, because it's telling me something about what I need. And if I can own these things about me, I can walk through the doorway and I can get what I need from Jesus mm. and through, through his body and through, through these people that know me. And so honestly, man, uh, it's been a, it's been a real journey of growing in courage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I don't say that to brag. I, I have to, I have to walk through some shame to say that about myself, but like I'm, I've mm. become a lot more courageous. Here's the thing. <clears throat> it, it, whenever I heard uh, you, about welcoming that, it reminded me of a quote that I read from Chuck DeGroat's book, um, Wholeheartedness. Mm-hmm. And just to reinforce how profound your comments were, I mean, I, sixes are the most profound types on the Enneagram. Thank you, um, Jeff. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> so uh, listen to this because it speaks to this. And your limiting belief, uh, our limiting beliefs, about us and why we wouldn't make a great coach are actually the very vehicle mm. that makes us a great coach. Yeah. Wow. And and this is uh, what this prayer, uh, this being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, 
a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes, an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep through your house, empty of its furniture, still treat it, treat each guest honorably because he may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Is that from wholeheartedness? It is. Well, it's a quote. It's a quote from wholeheartedness. Somebody else said it and Chuck was wise wise enough to to use it. (laughs) it Good night. But think about that. I mean, and, and we can go to you, Elena. I mean, how, what is it that might be a limiting belief of a four that would have prevented you from coaching? But in God's counterintuitive, it's like, no, no, no. I want that weakness to shine because I'm going to show how powerful the gospel is. Oh, man. Here it comes. Well, I think fours from the time they were little have always like, especially fours who have grown up in the Christian faith, have probably felt the most depraved out of everybody of like, we've probably, we probably sin the most. We probably are the most broken. We're probably the most like dirty to look at. We are not the prettiest Mm -hmm. ones. Um, and I think like I get insecure about the comparison or the I'm too, Mm. this is too complex. This is too hard. This is too much. Um, people are going to get turned off and, Mm. um, and, and I, and I don't, and maybe this isn't just a, a me thing of like, Oh, this is why I'm great for coaching. But I think it's the thing that I love the most about the Lord Mm. is that people are never too much for him. Um, Mm. He, he's always enough. He's always enough to take on whatever you give him. You're good or even your best is probably not even good enough. Um, <laughs> but you're never too much for him. And so, I mean, that that's that's the gospel message for me as a four is that I'm um, I'm, I'm not too much for him. It's he's not going to be shocked. He's not going to be overwhelmed. He's not going to shame me. Um <laughs> And so I think that's the message of what I want to bring to people. You know, you're, you're not too much for the Lord. You um, are always going to be loved and always going to be worthy of his love. Um, and so I, I, I think that's, that's my heart in quote in coaching. And it is ironic of like, okay, it's because you feel like you're too much for the world. And like, honestly, mm. I probably am like the world probably can't handle all of this stuff because it's the world it's broken. Um, and which is why we always need to be, if, if we have the opportunity to turn it back to the gospel, cause that's where exactly. it's going to have its completion. So, yeah. And that's, you know, and that just really is beautiful because it sums up the heart of YEC, your Enneagram coach, is our mission statement is that we want people to see themselves with astonishing clarity so they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. All types have their liabilities, their um, hangups, their weaknesses, their frailties, 
But it's Christ who has redeemed all things. It's Christ who is restoring and reconciling all things. And the coaching that we're trying to do at Your Enneagram Coach and how we train our coaches is to always uh, first, yeah, look at all of those things. Like if you do not see your liabilities or your sins or the things that keep getting you stuck, you can't change. But we don't want to sit in that. We want to show the hope and the hope of glory that is in Christ and how he has already done the work and redeemed us and how he is restoring us, the sanctification process. And that's why using the Enneagram from a Christian perspective is so exciting because the Enneagram is just a tool that is bringing that astonishing clarity, but that's where it stops. It is the gospel that transforms us. And so it, it's this vehicle of accelerated transformation, this vehicle of accelerated, uh, restoration that we see in people's lives that is so profound and so exciting. Um, And so we are so thankful for the both of you. We're thankful that you guys came on. We're thankful that you did the hard work of learning the Enneagram, going through that process of taking Becoming Enneagram Coach, uh, becoming coaches, and then the daily work of showing up, whether it's the self-doubt of the six, whether it is I'm too much or I'm not enough of the four or me, (laughs) the sloth or the I don't have anything that matters, I'm not that important, but all of us showing up and trusting the gospel taking one step at a time, allowing the Holy Spirit to to work in and through us and to go before us, that is really where it's at. So thank you guys for just joining us, telling us your stories. And we hope that everyone else uh, really benefits from this. But also if you've been transformed, we would love for you guys to also join us with our Becoming an Enneagram Coach course. That was such an encouraging conversation. I love hearing stories about how the Enneagram is being used in ministry because, as you remember, Jeff, when I learned about the Enneagram, I didn't have Christian resources to help me. That's right, Beth. It's great to see the Enneagram taught through the lens of the gospel because the Enneagram reveals our need for Jesus, not our need to try harder. It's the gospel that transforms us. So thankful that you joined us today. 